When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate you call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they can become something more. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast and resource devoted to discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host and Marvel best friend, Christopher Bruffett. You live so far away now. It's terrible. Oh, no. Your move's still in process. You have moved. Your things have not moved. My things have not moved. Do not live in Tulsa anymore. (laughs) That's stressful. Things not moving. Dogs have not moved yet either. Been tough. Moving a lot of dogs is a... Not an easy thing. We're still in that crazy time, Chris, for both of us. It's going to be crazy for a while, but we're still going to get the content out. Oh, absolutely. I hope you guys have been enjoying what we have been putting out. We got through all of Wakanda. Now we're moving on to new things, which is great. Also, Chris, the game hasn't slowed down, so... All this craziness has been going on with us. I've been getting like an hour or two of sleep a night because my wife and child are now home, which is amazing. Big update from last episode and things are much better, but now it's the no sleeping, the, you know, craziness. It's going to be a fun, fun year for you, bud. (laughs) It is going to be a fun year and you guys are going to be along for the ride. So using every little bit of free time we have to either play or work on content for the game. This is once again, why we really appreciate the patrons so much. They're keeping us going during this time. Patreon is continuing to grow. Thank you guys so much. Uh, That Discord is so fun. It means a lot. It means so much. All that going on, Chris. Any other life updates or just what do you think about living in a new state, new city? Well, I'm finally going to have my car here in the next couple days. So I'm going to get down to a game shop ASAP. Excellent. We want to hear your report on that. Yeah. And then as soon as that happens, hopefully they play MCP already. But if not, I'll work on it. Get some tabletop gaming of any type in right now. I'm just jonesing. You're speaking my language, man. Just I'm anything. In the same right position. Now. I'm in the exact same position. I have had a little bit of hobbying time, but that's it. That hobbying research time, that creative time, or even the preconception of hobbying, that's a lot of things too. When you're working on these boards and things, there's a lot of things you have to do before you actually start the work, Chris. You've been yep. working on that as well. When you have a miniatures game, even when it's early on, you want to have as much terrain and boards as you can because that draws people to the game. When you've got a high-quality board and you're playing in a hobby shop, that board's going to draw eyes. That's what we want. We're just trying to get as many people to play this game at this point as possible. What's awesome about Marvel, Chris, is it's so wide. It's so big. The Cosmic Universe, there are boards that can be interchangeable. If you have, say, a Star Wars board, there's some changes you can make. Oh, that's now an Ice Giants world. Exactly. Like that. Like, there's changes you can make, which is very exciting. Chris and I have talked about X-Men over and over again. Take a drink. And all the locations for X-Men, the Savage Lands, things like that. That's stuff we're really interested in pursuing, too, with boards, because that brings people, too. Speaking of, I came up with my ultimate X-Men board that I want. Okay, what's that? Madripoor. This is too deep. This is great. (laughs) Yeah. How are you going to do that? It's going to be skyscrapers and dingy bars. How how I'm going to do it, I don't know. It's just what I want. I think it's a great goal because this is the kind of stuff that makes the game more exciting. I mean, it doesn't always have to just be a generic city. I really think MCP has some room to grow in this area specifically. And the people out there that have already finished boards or doing boards or have a board like we do, the one we've had on our stream recently, more power to you because that's a lot of work on top of this insane, insane, but great 
model release schedule. <laughs> okay. So models keep coming many out. Models. Chris, you got models that you haven't opened up yet. Oh my uh, gosh. I'm so far behind. Rocket, Groot, and Star Lord just came out. We haven't even put them together yet. They're looking beautiful as ever, just in the box. There's so much. It's ridiculous. And you know, I mentioned Star Lord, Rocket, and Groot. Well, of course, we're going to cover them in the future in depth with their history, but I can't tell you how excited I am for these characters, Chris. You know how massive a fan I am. The Guardians, especially Rocket and Groot, I just love it so much. They're wonderful characters. Rocket is a glass cannon, and that's exactly what he needed to be. I love it so much. And, you know, his height is miniature. His height is one. It's perfect. (laughs) So he can hide behind anything, and he gets these extra cover benefits. And, you know, we're going to talk more about cover in the future. It's something that I think a lot of people have trouble with, and myself included. It's something I need to do better utilizing for sure. It's tough. It's a completely different cover system compared to other games, and we really want to try to work on a robust but concise system or maybe podcast for you guys to listen to to go with all your cover questions. So stay tuned for that. And that leads me to, Chris, a lot of other things have been going on lately with us. I got to be on the Gamers Guild, which is a YouTube channel from Marvel Crisis Protocol. Nate invited me on. I was so thankful to be on their show. So pleased to come on and talk on his Tactic Talk Tuesday, Episode 2, Team Tactic Cards. Say that five times fast. We can talk tactic cards, Chris. Building a roster, how to build your hand of tactics cards. I won't spoil it. You guys just need to go listen to his channel, but... It was me and Nate and Patrick from 3D Wargamer all discussing our own rosters we brought, our own tactic card decks we brought, and the reasons why we brought them, and how you make those hard decisions about making your roster and making your team tactics deck. It's hard. you got to cut a lot of cards. you got to make the right decisions. And if you're running two or even three potential factions within your 10 models, well, then you got to even have some harder choices. Like, what do you cut? Do you cut a Cabal card here? Do you not Cabal card here? I told Nate I would be happy to come back on anytime. And it's super cool because it's a podcast on YouTube, essentially. And he jokes about that on the episodes, too. He says it's something that probably should have been a podcast, but it's part of his YouTube channel. He normally does card analysis, battle reports, and, you know, terrain guides. So if you're not following the Gamers Guild, go give them a follow, and I would really appreciate it. So, Chris, the day has arrived. We get to do one of my all-time favorite Marvel characters. And I will preface here. I will, I will be you know, completely transparent stuff. Venom has been one of my personal favorite characters from the youngest I can remember. As long as I remember loving Spider-Man though, I love the character of Spider-Man. I don't love the character of Venom as much. Venom's more this intangible thing. He's this design. He's this presence. He is my favorite bad guy in Spider-Man because of this. I don't love Eddie Brock as much as I love Peter Parker, though. I love Peter Parker, as you know, the problem with Venom is eventually you have to read the comics. Yeah. And there haven't been just many amazing Venom comics to this point. I love the character. I love the lore behind the character. Oh, McFarlane designing him. We'll get into that a little bit. Of course, right? Because there was precursors and posts. Well, and there's a lot of infighting on who Venom was actually created by. But that should show you how impactful this character's design is and presence. Presence on screen, on the page. These things are important. Like I said, number one... He's an anti-hero at best. He's a villain at his worst. He's not a hero. And Eddie Brock's is not as likable of a character as most of the other Spider-Man villains in a lot of ways. He's not as likable as a character as Peter Parker because Peter Parker is so relatable. We talked about right. how original Peter Parker was because he was an everyman. He was a high school kid, something we'd never seen before in comics. Venom's completely different. And I just want to talk about that up front because like, though he is one of my all-time favorite characters, period, you know. You can't love everything about every character, potentially. I mean, you could. i probably do it with Spider-Man, but... <laughs> it's close. There's you know, some out there. And like you've talked about, Chris, on the show a lot, before we get into like lore, it's just comic books have flaws. Comic books sometimes are a product of their time, but what's interesting is the essence of these characters remains. And that's what I like, Chris, with this Venom stuff. Like Venom has retained his character, his essence, his feel through all this time. And he's still one of the most recognizable villains, I think, in all of Marvel history. And he's immensely popular. Everybody loves Venom. Yeah, people that don't even really like comics right. like him. He has an aesthetic that's unmatchable. It's unique. To relate him to a wrestling character, mm-hmm. I he reminds me a lot in some ways of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Okay. He just keeps I can doing all this. This is he, amazing. He keeps doing bad things. <laughs> yeah. Keeps flipping people off. Keeps, you know, people just love it. No matter what he does, no matter how bad he acts, people love it 
Well, maybe part of this too, Chris, is he's not a stereotypical comic book villain. He's a different thing altogether. We've covered characters like the Red Skull. We've covered characters like the Baron Zemo. Right. We've covered these type of villains who truly are very bad people with bad intentions for the world. Some of them were wronged. Some of them may be the heroes of their own stories. Some of them, you know, like Ultron, just something that becomes to sentience. Venom is kind of his own thing. He doesn't fit in either box of hero or villain. Well, sometimes he tries to be good. Yeah. And I think the combination of the person of Eddie Brock and the symbiote, which is a person as well, it's kind of this weird twist on the Hulk banner situation. Mm, interesting. And that's kind of an interesting part, of, I think, why people like the character so much. And then on top of that, you know, this other character, this Hulk type character, Venom himself, the symbiote, is this malleable type character too. Like we've seen what the suit can do. It's weird. It's awesome too. It's it's super sci-fi. It's super comic book. Yeah. But then at times sure. super grounded and it's very strange. Leads us to the present. We have Venom movies and, you know, Tom Hardy is now playing Eddie Brock, which is awesome. He's also playing Venom, which is awesome. Movie, not as good. But I love the portrayal of Venom. The, the technology is finally there to fully do Venom right. Not really something we had the luxury of doing before. There's no way. It's just too difficult. Kind of pulled it off in Spider-Man 3, but that's Spider-Man 3 is a whole other discussion. I don't want to talk about too that Too many villains. One. Too many villains. I don't villains, want to talk about much. that movie. Yeah, no. It's too much. They're now filming Venom 2. And Venom 1 was one of the most successful comic movies for its budget, which is saying something for a movie that wasn't as well received by critics. Not that great of a constructed movie or script, but this character, something about this character, it made tons of money. That's good. <laughs> yeah, it is good, Chris, because it's going to lead to my potential favorite villain in all of Marvel, which is Carnage, just because he is the essence of evil. Carnage how, is. How, I just... I know. There's, Perplexes you. There's Doctor Doom. I'm getting swayed that way. The truth there, Chris, is I know a lot about Carnage. I know a lot about Venom. I don't know that much about Dr. Doom. Oh, well. The more I learn about him, the more I love him. Dr. Doom's just the best. I think what I like about Carnage is he's pure chaotic evil. He is, man. He he's is the essence pure of that. Evil. He's the chaotic evil. He, there is no thought. It is just react, pure gut instinct, and that instinct is to kill in horrible ways. Yeah, he's like if you mix the Joker from DC, Batman, with a rabid animal. And that's completely why he's the essence of evil. And this is part of the reason... You can't talk about Venom without Carnage because Carnage is one of the things that centers Venom to the light side in a lot of ways. Carnage is one of the things that Venom has to intercede, all these type of things. Because, Chris, this conversation goes past Venom and Carnage. There's a whole symbiote backstory. It's so interesting to me. Well, and not to mention Venom's kids. I know. And we got the anti-Venom. We got all sorts of crazy Mm -hmm. things. Craziness. Brilliant designs. But we just have to preface with this because, like Spider-Man... He is one of those characters that is wrapped up in culture, that is wrapped up in these other things that are separate from the comics. So before we even go into lore, Chris, like it's so important we talk about this character and he's loved so much and probably why he came out in this game so early. <laughs> they did a good job and I was surprised that they didn't release him with other related characters from yeah. the Spider Universe. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that, Chris, because the CP-10 has been floating in the abyss, we keep talking about it. We've mentioned in the past was Miles and Gwen, who I still have sneaking suspicions and things I want so desperately. I want Miles to be the Spider Verse leader. Oh yeah, and I I feel like Venom was supposed to fit in the Spider Verse affiliation, and since they didn't come out, Miles and Gwen, now Venom's just kind of unaffiliated with anybody. Right. That's fine because he's a phenomenal character in the game, but. It feels strange. Kind of like we talked about with Dr. Octopus. Dr. Octopus, Chris, we, I think we still stand by our statements. He is a super solid character, but right now, the state of the game, with him having no affiliation, it it's makes him weaker. Him in, yeah. It just makes him weaker. It's strange that we just did all of Wakanda back-to-back. You and I did all f- four episodes of Wakanda. Right. And now we're on Venom. It does seem like a big change of things. Big, big change of pace. Here's hoping, fingers crossed, we get Miles and Gwen. Sooner than later, I really want Spider-Man and Venom to have their own affiliation because, you know, Spider-Man's unaffiliated too. And Spider-Man's been an Avenger in the past, so it's an it's an intentional thing they did to not make him an Avenger, right. I feel like, in this. I'm curious if he'll 
be part of the final uh, Fantastic Four affiliation. That's a deep cut. I like that, though, Chris. Yeah. yeah. And, well, and then there's Namor as well for that. Chris and I have been talking about this show and lore. There's so much more crossover in the comics than the MCU and things like that. And even there's tons of it in the MCU. But, I mean, we just talked about, Chris, over the last couple of weeks, like the Wakandans' interactions with Fantastic Four and Daredevil and stuff. Right. These are really interesting things going back. I don't know. It's just so many things to talk about in this game. We could talk all day, but we've got to get some business done. Our patrons support Fury's Finest at patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoy the show, consider supporting it with a monthly contribution. We thank all of our patrons for their support. We would like to thank a new patron, Kim O. Thank you so much for your patronage. Thank you very much, Kim. Guys, if you'd like to support the Patreon, check it out at patreon.com, like Chris mentioned, and check out the tiers. We have a nice little community growing, and we would love to have you. When you join, you immediately get access to the Discord link. You know, Chris, the, my favorite thing about the Discord is how positive our Discord already is. It's good. Clearly, you and I train to create a positive show every week. No, it's really great. I love reading what everybody has to say. I yeah. haven't been talking as much as I'd like to in there, but it's really a wonderful group of folks. And I feel like we have some internet friendships forming. And I it's just, great. I love that. Yeah, and everyone lives in different places, different countries, different cities. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. Well, I'm I'm going to be here in the next month or so. I'll be playing some games with some uh, patrons for, uh, there in my new home in North Carolina. Yeah, people are having discussions in our rules section, discussions on our general chat, and, you know, and sharing pictures of their hobbying progress. It's very encouraging, Chris, because when you're swimming in hobbying stuff like you and I both are right now, it's very helpful to see people within your same sphere saying, oh, I just finished Hella. Check her out. It's amazing. So something you're interested in, you've got a couple bucks to spare, you know, shoot us a coffee a month, essentially. We'd really appreciate it. This Patreon is a big goal we have for the show going forward. Every contribution helps. Don't think that like your couple bucks or buck is not going to do anything. It certainly does. And you get to join this amazing community and we cannot thank them enough, Chris. All right, Chris, we got some lore to talk about. So let's talk about Venom. Let's start with a brief overview of the character. Venom is most commonly associated with Spider-Man, of course. And today we're going to cover Peter Parker in the suit a little bit. Of course. Then we're going to cover Eddie getting the symbiote, but we're going to stop at Eddie. We're just stopping there. We have to. There's too much. There's too much. Well, and Chris, I'm glad you mentioned this right up front because this is something we didn't actually mention in our intro about Venom that also makes him so interesting. And I think why people like him so much, this duality of this character being two people. And the symbiote kind of changing a little bit based on who the host is they, yeah they become their own entity when together it's well, very interesting you know and spoiler alert as we know but i mean spoiler we're about to go through it peter eventually rejects the symbiote and this is what makes this character interesting because he was on one of our biggest heroes ever right. in the history of superheroes and then he finds a new host and becomes this new character what a great foundation so, Venom is sentient alien symbiote with an amorphous, liquid-like form, survives by bonding with its host, usually a human. This dual life form receives enhanced powers and usually refers to itself as Venom. So, let's move on to the first appearance in comics, which is a little convoluted. The Venom symbiote bonds with Spider-Man in Secret Wars number 8 with the art by Mike Zeck. The Venom symbiote's first human host was Spider-Man, who eventually discovers its true nefarious nature, separates himself from the creature in The Amazing Spider-Man 258, November 1984, with a brief rejoining. And the symbiote goes on to be hosted by Eddie Brock. The story of how Spider-Man gets his new black costume is recounted in Marvel Superhero Secret Wars number 8, December 84, in which writer Jim Shooter and artist Mike Zeck depicted the heroes and villains of the Marvel Universe transported to another planet called Battleworld by a being called the Beyonder. After Spider-Man's costume is ruined from battles with the villains, he is then directed by Thor and the Hulk to a room at the hero's base where they inform him a machine can read his thoughts and instantly fabricate any type of clothing. This is getting wild. Choosing a machine he believes to be the correct one, Spider-Man causes a black sphere to appear before him, which spreads over his entire body, dissolving the tattered old Spider-Man costume and covering his body to form a new black and white costume. To Spider-Man's surprise, the costume can mimic street clothes and provide seemingly inexhaustible and stronger supply of webbing. 
During their run on The Amazing Spider-Man, writer Tom DeFalco and artist Ron Frenz established that the costume was a sentient alien symbiote that was vulnerable to both fire and high sonic energy. Remember that. It was in this storyline that the costume would envelop Peter Parker while he slept and go out at night to fight crime, leaving Parker inexplicably exhausted in the morning. Parker had the costume examined by Reed Richards, who then discovered it was alive, and when Parker realized it was trying to permanently bond to his body, he rejected it, and it was subsequently contained by the Fantastic Four. The symbiote escaped and bonded again to Parker, who used sound waves from a cathedral's church bell to repel it. But the symbiote had grown an emotional attachment to Peter, so he willingly left Peter's unconscious body and moved him to safety before disappearing. In the comic Going Down Swinging, when Norman Osborn got bonded to the Carnage symbiote, Spider-Man rebonds to the symbiote in an attempt to stop Osborn, now calling himself Red Goblin. While forgiving both Eddie and Venom for their past conflicts, he, with the symbiote, got a new costume design, and they were overpowering Osborn, until Norman mortally injured Flash Thompson. This caused Spider-Man and the symbiote to get angry, eventually losing control, until Flash calmed them down with his dying breath, and in the final battle, Spider-Man tells the symbiote to leave him, and that he himself is going to be alright while Norman also detaches himself from Carnage. So, this is our first instance of the symbiote. Even before it was a symbiote, Chris, right? It was just this magical black sphere. Yeah, and I think that's important to to talk about, that when the black suit was conceived, the Venom character was not yet created. Of course not. The Venom character comes later. Michelini and McFarland, of course, they have argued over who created the character. So interesting. Actually, with uh, I think McFarland did most of the design work, and then Michelini fleshed it out. So, and McFarland kind of did the redesign, like the Venom that everyone knows yeah. is the McFarland Venom. We've had versions of it since, but really, the full look of the symbiote on the body, you know, more than just the black suit, right? The Venom we know. But that's so interesting, Chris. So you're saying there's kind of contention here. There's there is there's infighting. So, David Michelini would later write the backstory of Eddie Brock as the alien's new host, and that would become the villain, Venom. Using the events of Peter David's 1985 Sin Eater storyline, the spectacular Spider-Man as a basis for Brock's origin, Venom's existence was first indicated in the Web of Spider-Man number 18, September 1986, when he shoved Peter Parker in front of a subway train without Parker's Spider-Sense warning him though only Brock's hand was seen on panel. The next indication of Venom's existence was in Web of Spider-Man number 24, March 1987, when Parker climbed out of a high-story window to change into Spider-Man, but found a black arm coming through the window and grabbing him, again without being warned by his Spider-Sense. Love it. After appearing in the shadow in The Amazing Spider-Man number 298 in March 1988, Venom made his cameo appearance on the last page of The Amazing Spider-Man number 299 in April 1988, when he terrorized Parker's wife, Mary Jane Watson, and made his full appearance in Amazing Spider-Man number 300. And that is a very key issue, a very expensive issue. So if you have one lying around somewhere, you know, just send it to me. These are very key years too, Chris, because uh, maybe this is why I'm so attached to this character. These are oh, yeah. special years to me. Yeah, these are um, very formative years. Being born at, back then and these formative years, um, very interesting. I love it. Mid to late 80s, Venom was fully coming into his own character, not just his oh, yeah. black suit. Well, and notice how long the story developed. It took some time. It took, it took a few years of lead-in, of teasing. That's neat, though. Yeah, it's long-term storytelling, and I really enjoy it. Spider-Man would confront Eddie in in the following issue when Brock reveals that he was a Daily Globe reporter who worked on the Sin Eater case, and that his career was ruined when it was discovered that the man Brock announced as the Sin Eater was a compulsive confessor. Forced to eke out a living, writing lurid stories for venomous tabloids, Brock blamed Spider-Man for his predicament. He took up bodybuilding to reduce stress. It failed to do so, and Brock sank into a suicidal depression. Seeking solace at the church where Spider-Man repelled the symbiote, the symbiote, sensing Brock's hatred for Spider-Man, bonded with the disgraced reporter, and Brock took the name Venom in reference to the sensationalistic material he was forced to traffic 
and following his fall from grace. This is like the standard Venom origin story, Chris. That we've seen this retold. We've seen this shown right. in a lot of ways. The Brock going through all these things. The symbiote leaving Spider-Man. Sensing Brock's depression and anger. And choosing a time to form with him. It's pretty consistent across everything. Even when the story's been retold and things like that. This is one of those times less convoluted. Pretty much exactly the same every time. Because we've seen this in movies, we've seen this in cartoons, we've seen this in other comics. Unlike, say, Spider-Man's... Jumped around a lot. It has just changed so many times with every telling. Over the years, as the symbiote gained more intelligence and moved to additional human hosts, the name began to apply to the symbiote as well as his host. As Venom, Brock fights Spider-Man many times, winning even on several occasions. Venom repeatedly tries to kill Peter Parker, Spider-Man, both when the latter was in and out of costume. Thus, Parker is forced to abandon his black costume, which the symbiote has been mimicking after Venom confronts Parker's wife, Mary Jane. Mimicking. Notice that. That's why he has the spider on his chest and stuff. Exactly. Another important thing to know is the symbiote was bonded to Parker for so long, he knows how Parker thinks. He knows his secrets. He knows his fighting style. He knows his secret identity, his... His family, his everything. His spider sense, his strongest ability. Exactly. And with that, Eddie Brock knows these things too. It's so interesting because once again, we have the duality of these characters. We have this split multiple personality situation with Venom and Eddie together. Venom escapes from a supervillain prison, the vault, to torment Spider-Man and his family. The symbiote is finally rendered comatose after being subdued by Styx's plague virus. And Eddie is subsequently placed in Rikers Island prison. When the symbiote recovers and returns to free Brock, it leaves a spawn to bond with Brock's psychotic serial killer cellmate, Cletus Cassidy, who then mixes with his blood and becomes Carnage. Meanwhile, Venom and Spider-Man fight on a deserted island, and Spider-Man strands Venom there after faking his own death. Soon after, however, Spider-Man brings Venom back to New York City, what a good guy, in order to stop Carnage's killing spree. After being incarcerated once again, Venom is used to create five new symbiotes, which are then all paired with new human hosts. So there's a lot to digest here. Well, and this is the interesting lore that is the symbiotes. They're, what their, loves own, they're their own little sub-universe in the Marvel larger universe. Well, it's that cocktail of the, the human's personality, mm-hmm. the symbiote's personality, mm-hmm. and you mix those together, and now you get a new personality. And that's where it gets interesting that's why carnage is important that's why venom is forever tied to carnage carnage is essentially a sibling or child of venom you see the difference between eddie and cletus you see the different way the symbiote changes even carnage's powers and carnage's abilities are even slightly different because of this meshing of personalities we called it and we talked about how the symbiote sensed eddie's depression and his anger and kind of formed to that and kind of found its identity from that. Same thing goes with Carnage. And I guarantee Carnage coming to this game is going to be an incredible looking model. And we will go more into that in the future. But it's oh, yeah. important that we mention they're always tied together. As well as helping Eddie Brock to seek continued revenge against Spider-Man, the symbiote also aids Brock his sporadic career as a vigilante. He and the symbiotes occasionally share a desire to protect innocent people from harm, even if it means working side by side with the hated Spider-Man. This is especially true when Venom combats the entity he believes to be his spawn, Carnage. When Spider-Man helps Venom save Brock's ex-wife, and Wang, the two form a temporary truce, though this falls apart after Wang's suicide. Oh, dark. The symbiote is temporarily stolen by U.S. Senator Stuart Ward, oh, no. who guy. hopes to better understand his own alien infection by researching the symbiote before it returns to Brock. Now, however... It dominates its host, Brock, rather than vice versa. Eventually, Eddie, Brock, and the symbiote go their separate ways as the symbiote grows tired of having a diseased host, and Eddie rejects its growing bloodlust, leading him to sell the symbiote at a supervillain auction. Sell? That's wild. The creature that would become Venom was born in the 998th generation to a race of extraterrestrial symbiotes, which lived by possessing the bodies of other life forms. The parasites would endow their victims with enhanced physical abilities at the cost of fatally draining them of adrenaline. According to the 1995 Planet of the Symbiote storyline, the Venom symbiote, 
after separated from its first host, was deemed insane by its own race after it was discovered that it, it desired to commit to its host rather than use it up. The symbiote was then imprisoned on Battleworld to ensure it did not pollute the species gene pool. And that's as far as we're going to go today. We might get into more of this in the future, just depending if there is a, a call and a desire to hear a, a symbiote lore episode. We'll do that. But yeah, otherwise, I think this might be where we leave the story off. And you never know, Chris. We might get Lee Price. We might get Agent Venom. We're probably getting Carnage. We might get Anti-Venom. Might get Toxin. All these different I hope things. We get Scream and Toxin. I really Scream do. and Toxin would be really neat. And all Symbiote team would just be so thematically neat. Oh, it would be cool. Uh, on the board, it'd just be awesome. Oh, you could do the Black Suit Spider-Man, too. Oh, man. Love it so much. That'd be fun. Let's talk about Venom's powers real quick, Chris. So, though it requires living hosts in order to survive, the Venom Symbiote has been shown to be adept at fending for itself even independent of a host. The symbiote is capable of shape-shifting abilities, including the ability to form spikes or expand its size, as well as even mimic the appearance of other humanoids after it has obtained a host. The organism can additionally use shape-shifting abilities to conceal itself by altering its coloration or even becoming invisible. It also contains a small dimensional aperture, allowing its host to carry items without adding masks to the costume. Very video game-esque. The symbiote also exhibits telepathic abilities, primarily when it needs to communicate with its host. This is how Eddie and Venom talk with each other, which is one of the best things they achieved in the Venom movie. Well, and the fact that Venom has his own magic bag of holding is pretty amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Because of his contact with Spider-Man, the symbiote grants all of his subsequent hosts of Spider-Man his powers and cannot be detected by his Spider-Sense. As Spider-Man's fighting style is partly dependent on his spider sense, his effectiveness was somewhat hampered when he battled Eddie. Retaining its memory from the time it was bonded with Spider-Man, the Venom symbiote is also capable of producing webbing similar to Spider-Man's own variety created from itself. The symbiote also enhances the host's physical strength it bonds with. Its hosts experience a vastly larger size and musculature. The symbiote displays non-human teeth, which are very sharp, and commonly protrudes a long tongue from its mouth. Venom is depicted as being much physically bigger than Spider-Man, as well as having more brute strength, Chris. Venom exhibits some immunities to the supernatural powers of those such as the penance stare of Ghost Rider or Spider-Man's extrasensory spider sense. And also incarnations of the Venom symbiote have been shown it is able to replicate itself. This is shown in the 2005-2006 miniseries Spider-Man Reign, in which Venom recreates his own symbiote to combat his own loneliness. It's crazy. It is crazy. So let's talk about some weaknesses, Chris. Of course, if you've read or seen anything with Venom, you know Venom is pretty powerful, but there's some weaknesses. Some pretty big Achilles heels. Sonic energy, sonic blasts, just basically very loud noises. And concentrated energy of some form. Will cause the symbiote to kind of freak out and, and leave its host. It's also got a very large weakness to fire and heat. It's a big deal. So this is the only way really to battle it because other than that, it's essentially this, you know, amalgamation we talked of like Hulk and Spider-Man and this kind of stuff where it's self-healing and and it can respond in different ways. Um, Once again, the symbiote can track and sense all of his offspring except Carnage, who learned how to block this ability shortly after bonding with Cletus. So... Even though the symbiote breaks itself off, finds other hosts, they're all connected. Carnage is separate from that. Once again, that chaotic evil. Yeah, he's a bad guy. Guys, you need to check out discountgamesinc.com. They have all your Marvel Crisis Protocol needs met. They also have other miniatures games at the lowest prices available. So if you're not ordering through them, we suggest you do. And they've been nothing but generous to us. We are happy to call them a sponsor. If you don't have a local store to support, or if you just want to maybe buy some items in bulk for some friends who want to get into this game, Discount Games would be the place to do it. Let them know we sent you. We appreciate them for all their support. Okay, Chris, we're into strategy now. And we got a lot to talk about. Grab your card at home or check our social media so you can follow along. Venom is a seven stamina, short speed... Height of three, four threat character. His defenses are as follows. Four physical, two energy, three mystic. Sounds about right. Let's flip him over real quick. The only thing that changes on Venom, his stamina goes down by one. The symbiote's getting weaker. It's down to six stamina. But, Chris, that is a whopping 13 health. 
for this character. What a start just to any character in this game, and what a start to a character that, we're just going to call it now, has the tank bruiser profile. Because that's the role Venom's going to play in this game. We're going to see more as we get through his powers, but anything stand out to you on these initial stats? Well, that two energy defense, of course. Thematic. It is very thematic. Very well done. He had to have a weakness. But, you know, if you see Venom on the other side of the table, maybe Captain Marvel's now in play. That's right. I haven't talked about this before in the show yet before, Chris, I don't believe. But something notable here, energy is the weakest defense in the game across the board. You would think it'd be Mystic, but there's a lot of characters that have really high Mystic. And we just haven't really seen much Mystic in the game yet. Obviously, physical, there's tons of physical defense out there. Energy is the least represented number in defense as in it's the lowest across the board venom is lower than even the average on that but it's interesting because that means these characters that deal a lot of energy damage are always worth looking at because they can shred up some other characters that have weaker energy defense and venom is no different that's his true weakness interesting metagaming let's talk about his attacks Chris. let's talk about his first attack his first one is going to be called symbiote tendrils Mm. it is a range three strength five physical attack zero cost after this attack is resolved this character gains power equal to the damage dealt love it after this attack is resolved the target character gains the bleed special condition that is not on a wild no that just happens so recently we talked about how neat we thought it was that shuri's panther gauntlets automatically triggered the push no matter what mm-hmm. as long as you got damage through same situation here with venom though he's applying a damage condition um, he's not pushing or throwing something. He's applying a damage condition, bleed. It's great, Chris. Whether or not you get damage through. We haven't talked about yet how he's a slow mover. It's completely understandable he's a slow mover. He does have a bigger base, so it's going to almost even out to a medium move. But what's interesting here, Chris, is his strike attempts to make up for this thematically and just logistically. It's three. It's not two like most strikes. It's three. So he has more range on his basic strike. Those tendrils going out, hitting somebody. He is making up for that slow movement, though his slow movement and his energy defense are his true weakness. And, you know, you're always finding ways to get around those two things, but just keep that in mind. His second ability is called We Are Venom. I love it. It's a range three again. Seven strength, three power cost attack. This is the craziest trigger in South Thematic. After this attack is resolved, this character removes one damage from itself for each damage inflicted. Wow. So you get three damage through. You're healing three. This is furthering his tank bruiser profile. He can take a lot of damage, Chris. He can heal a lot of damage. If you're playing him right, he should probably not die. Unless there is someone like Captain Marvel on the board. Then you need to be worried. But very interesting. He only has two attacks. One of them's a range three strike, which deals out bleed without a trigger, without a wild trigger. His second is a self-heal. So good. That's pretty impressive. He's going to just get in there and, and, and stay in the fight. I've had a lot of success with him, mainly from this ability, because if you plop him down and say they sporadically hurt him, well, they're in trouble because he's going to heal it back. You really need to focus fire venom or ignore him if you can. He's one of those type of characters. We've seen several of them in the game. He is in that same realm because you don't want him healing it back, right? You don't want exactly. You don't want him going later in a turn, Chris, because if he goes later in a turn, there's a higher chance he can heal damage back. You'd rather him go early and then damage him after that. Right. When you start dealing damage to him, you want to flip him as soon as possible. So he can't recover. That's right. Any of that damage back up too. But I think Venom's got some rebuttals to that on his card, Chris. Let's start going through some of his superpowers. Let's talk about it. His first superpower is going to be called Clintar Rage. Mm. It's going to cost three power. Choose an interactive terrain feature or an enemy character, both of size three or less, and within range two, and throw it medium. The superpower can only be used once per turn. I love it. Notice it says the text, terrain feature or enemy character size three or less. That is most characters in the game, almost everyone so far. Right. Hulk is uh, one of the only exceptions to this. He can throw characters, Chris. This is something we've talked about in the game, how good throwing terrain is. Throwing characters is just as good. Throwing characters is a way to control, but also deal damage. It's, it's better than a push because a push is control. 
pushing someone off of an area. A throw is you can throw someone into someone else. You can throw someone into a terrain feature. You can just throw someone further away with more room, right? This is different from a Tony or a Shuri push that's directionally based. This is Venom throws from his own base. So he really can positionally change some people. And we love throws in this game. We love them. They're amazing. His next ability might look a little familiar. It's interesting. It's a different take on Spider-Man. It is a, another active ability called Web Snare. Costs two. Push an enemy character within four towards this character medium. A character can be pushed by the superpower only once per turn. So we mentioned Venom has movement issues. We mentioned Venom wants people around him. This is a way you can pull people in with his webs. Get them in that range three where you can We Are Venom or Symbiote Tendrils. You could even potentially throw them at this point if they're with close enough. It's great. Yeah, pull them off objectives. Pull them out of somewhere that you need maybe a, a damaged character. Yep. You need to create some space. It's great. Range four is nothing to scoff at. There's only one range higher than that in the game. It's range five. And this would be absolutely broken if he could pull anybody range five to him. It's great. He moves in medium. I love it. It's thematic. He's getting people closer to him so he can deal the damage he wants to deal. His next power is going to be called So Many Snacks. It is going to be a reactive power. It's going to cost two. Mm. After an attack against this character is resolved, it may use this superpower. If the attacker is within range three, this character may make an attack against the attacker. This superpower can only be used once per turn. So let's just think about doubling that up with We Are Venom if you have the economy. It's absolutely true. That's just gross. Right, Chris. So to our strategy here, this is why you either want to focus Fire Venom down or you want to make sure he goes in around, then you respond later. You want to have him get the least amount of healing he possibly can. And this is probably why you're taking him, Chris. The So Many Snacks paired with We Are Venom is thematically neat. But also, it's adding to that tankiness role. He's fitting that slot in your list where he's a self-sustaining tank bruiser, and he's going to be hard to kill. His final two abilities are innate. First one is called Symbiotic Instincts. When this character is attacking, the defending character cannot modify their defense dice. Interesting. I love it. This completely completely counters Peter's spider sensibility uh-huh. in the game, which is thematically on point, also counters a lot of the rerolls some of these other I was characters say, have. It kind of screws the Wakandans, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Zemo. Venom is a must take against Wakanda. <laughs> I love it. He's messing up these dice rerolls. His last ability, Chris, is Wall Crawler. Thematic. He's like Spider Man. Once again, Wall Crawler is exactly the same as Flight. He ignores movement restrictions when it comes to terrain. What's so strange when people have pointed out before, and we'll just point out here too. When you climb, you reduce your movement speed. When your movement speed's short, it can't be reduced. So this is purely a thematic thing at this point. Also, let's not forget, certain cards in the game reference certain abilities like flight and things like that. So this is just future planning. I guarantee you, like, we're going to get Spider-Verse cards that are going to involve wall crawling. Yeah. Or something would be my guess. It's thematic. It needs to be there. It's just funny because he's not a medium move. So it does not matter. So we talked about earlier, you flip him over, all his powers cost the same. He's just one less health. What do you think about this character, Chris? He is very gross. He's the strongest unaffiliated character in the game. I was going to say, he's worth taking without that affiliation. He's not necessarily a big pumper, but he's going to annoy. He's going to get in that objective range. He's going to annoy the other team. He's going to stay there too long. He's going to take... Too much damage. Yep. He's just a big damage soak Yeah, with, uh, with a little bit of hit behind him. That's right, Chris. And let's not forget he has some of the control tools Spider-Man has. Not as many by any means, but he has some of them too. So he's a super interesting character that got some control elements, got some self-sustained healing, tankiness, got some nice damage, got a nice health pool. Though he does have some big weaknesses with his movement and his weakness to energy, if you play him right, just like all these other control characters and stuff in the game, he is going to reward you a lot. So Chris, let's talk about this model. We have to. It is absolutely beautiful. It's my favorite model in the game so far that's out, though I think Green Goblin's already got him beat. Even though That model is just <laughs> incredible. I cannot tell you I'm how I'm a big much fan of the Hella model. She is excellent. Yeah. But- what do you think about this model? There is a slight mess up on the spider 
symbol. It's not exactly a canon symbol. I don't know where the mix up there, whether that was with the art department or the sculptor or what. But, but they did the tongue. Thank goodness. They did the tongue. Oh, yeah. The tongue's uh, essential. Other, other than that small that small thing. Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful model. He looks very intimidating. It's the venom that I think everyone thinks of. It, it's bridging that gap between McFarlane meets the more modern styles. It, it's right there. It's right where he needs to be. Look-wise, he's big and beefy. He's in a great pose. Moving forward, I have done some different hobbying with mine, as people have seen. Of course. I've followed our uh, social media at any fashion. He's by far my favorite model because he has a different base. He's coming out of the sewer. The Carnage symbiote is following him out of the sewer. It's everything I've wanted. The tongue is absolutely amazing, too. It, it's, it fits the character so well. He's a presence on the board. And that height three... He represents that, Chris. He's a right. taller model. And yes. I put him on an even slightly higher base to represent that even more. Once again, it's not a line of sight based game in a traditional miniatures war game way. Right. So we get freedom with our hobbying, which is absolutely wonderful, especially in these characters that are higher heights than the others. You really want to make them stand out, the Ultrons and Venoms of the world. I love him. What a character. He's not going to go away in this game, Chris, especially because I think this Spider-Verse Sinister Stick stuff is going to it's get It's going to be out. real. Yeah, it's going to be real. It's got to be real, right? And then he's going to get more real. But you're right. I mean, right now we have some interesting questions to take. If energy becomes prominent in the meta, if he doesn't get affiliation anytime soon, are you going to play him? It's up to you. You know, he might not fit in your list, and that's okay for now. They're giving us so much good stuff. It's so hard to make a 10-person roster. It's so difficult. It's very difficult. I've been struggling. We were talking off mic about this, Chris, right before the episode. Just how difficult it is to make a list that you want to play thematically and just competitively or just even to fit logistically, say you want on two factions, do you bring Venom? These are good questions. Right. I do right now because I personally think he's malleable where he fits. He is four threat. I don't think there's a universe where he could have been three threat, not with this kit. No. But way. I don't think you could have weakened him either because he wouldn't fit the character. We just went through lore how powerful this character is. He's not one of the strongest villains in the world, but he's definitely not weak. Yeah, he's a powerhouse. He certainly needs to be a higher threat than someone like Doc Ock, who's a three threat, right? These things make sense. It's just. As the game gets wider, higher point characters are going to have less places in some ways. Right. And I'm interested to see more of the twos of the world and things like that. What's going to make the game look like? Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Once again, we're doing the next giveaway for Patreon that Chris mentioned in the last episode, the Thor Valkyrie expansion pack. All you got to do is become a Fury's Finest patron by April 1st. April 1st, Chris and I will pull someone out of the hat, and then the following episode, we will announce who won the Thor and Valkyrie giveaway, and we'll reach out to you. Catch our streams of Marvel Crisis Protocol at twitch.tv slash Fury's Finest. Follow the show on social media, Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast, Instagram at Fury's Finest, and facebook.com slash Fury's Finest. Email us at furiesfinest at gmail.com and continue to leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. We will read all this content on future mailbag episodes. And I got to thank every person that's leaving us reviews. You guys continue to leave us reviews. We really appreciate it. If you haven't got around to doing that yet and you have an Apple device or someone in your life has an Apple device, please try to leave us a review because this helps people find the podcast and get into this wonderful game. We want to thank Approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music. And please remember, subscribe, rate, and review. Help spread the word about our show. We're going to thank Eminem today because we made different outro music. Thank you, Eminem. <laughs> Chris, just wanted to see what you thought there. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jesse Aiken, J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. Check out my Star Wars podcast, The Canon Cantina. Got a lot of new stuff for 2020 on this show. And if you like Star Wars, we'd love to have you listen. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T, and maybe I'll tweet. Thanks for listening. True Believers. Excelsior. To face the demons, I'm bonded to, because they're chasing me, but I'm part of you, so escaping me is impossible. I latch on to you like a parasite, and I probably ruined your parents' life and your childhood, too, because if I'm the music that y'all grew up, I'm responsible for you retarded fools. I'm the super villain, dad and mom is losing their marbles, too. You marvel that Eddie Brock is you, and I'm the suit, so call me. I got that I got that trailer in the middle, middle, not going with them.
I have absolutely no problem with you sticking around, but if we do, we're gonna have to have some ground rules, right? You cannot just go around eating anybody that you want to. I cannot. No, you cannot. All right, we need to uh, we need to reiterate this. There are good people in this world, a lot of them, and then there are bad people. You have to tell the difference. The deal is, you will only ever be allowed to touch, harm, hurt, possibly, very possibly, eat. Very, very bad people, but never, ever, ever good people. All right? Fine. Good. But how does one tell the difference? Well, super simple. I mean, you just have to, like, you can intuit it. You can sense it. Sometimes you can even feel it. Whatever you say. But can we get something to eat now? Otherwise, your liver is starting to look really, really good. And juicy. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. I know a place down here. Hey, Mrs. C. How you doing, Eddie? Ain't nothing changed but the weather, you know. No. So, what culinary delights will tickle the pickle tonight? Potato tarts and chocolate. Right, okay, no problem. The payment's due, Chan. Please, I can't keep doing this. Now. Bad guy, right? Yep. Again. In fact, you go anywhere in the city preying on innocent people and we will find you and eat both your arms and then both of your legs and then we will eat your face right off your head. Do you understand? Please. Yes. So you will be this armless, legless, faceless thing, won't you? Rolling down the street like a bird in the wind. Do you feel me? What the hell are you? We are venom. On second thought, please. Eddie? What was that? Oh, I have a parasite. Yeah. Name is Chen.